This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good morning, precious saints. How are we all doing this morning? We were created on purpose for a purpose, and one of those purposes is to be generous. That's what we're celebrating this month of December. You know, it's always been past Theo's heart that when someone walks through those doors and meets Jesus here at Christian Family Church for the very first time, that they become like their father. And God is a generous God. And God wants us to be generous. Hey, listen, what do you want to be remembered for? What do we as a church want to be remembered for? Think about that for a moment. I mean, when people are talking about us, and listen, people do talk about Christian Family Church. How many of you know people talk about us? It's not always good. Sometimes it's bad, but people are talking about us all the time. But if they're going to talk about us, let them not talk about our theology. Let them not talk about our nice building or our malls. Let them not talk about any of those things. If they're going to talk about us, I want them to talk about us being a generous people. They might say, listen, I bumped into them. I bumped into this Christian family church member somewhere along the line. And you know, I don't agree everything they stand for. I don't agree with it. But, but listen, they changed me. They were generous people. Amen? We were created on purpose for a purpose, and that is to be generous. How many of you are generous out there? Praise the Lord. I could not have asked for my message this morning to be introduced any better than that Connemore AV. That is what we do. Now, you may or may not know this. For those of you watching online, you may or may not know this, but every year, Christian Family Church International gives millions upon millions to works in this country and around the world, whether it be benevolent works, whether it be planting of churches, whether it be sponsoring Bible college students, whether it be building buildings, whatever that is, Christian Family Church, every year, that's you, gives millions upon millions to the work of the ministry. Now, next week, you don't want to miss it, Dr. Johnny's going to be ministering, and the title of his message is all about, or the theme about his message is all about legacy. You're going to be getting a brief snapshot next week of everything that you have been involved in in this last year. Where have you been contributing? You've trusted us with your finances, and next week you're gonna be able to walk, walk out here with your head held high, your shoulders back, and say, man, I did some stuff last year. How many of you are grateful to know? You may not know it yet, but you did some stuff last year. Come on, give God a great hand of praise. Hallelujah. Well, before we get into our first scripture this morning, I'd like to pray. So just close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Father, we come before you this morning knowing full well that we are never more like you than when we are giving and forgiving. Our heart's desire today is as we hear your word that it would transform and change us, make us more like you. We understand that we are progressively becoming more and more sanctified, more and more holy, and we look forward to your word changing us today in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus and all those who agreed said, amen. amen. So we want people to talk about us as being generous. The first scripture I'm gonna be looking at this morning is found in 1 Timothy chapter six from verses 17 through 19. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to open them. Alternatively, you can get our notes, which are on our app, download. I've made all my notes available, and you can follow in the notes, fill in the blanks, and email it to yourself. That's on our church on our church app. So here it says, now this is not written to a church. Paul is writing to a single pastor, a young guy, about 16, 17 years old, the pastor of the church of Ephesus that had thousands of members. 
And this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I mean, we've learned through this COVID pandemic that this world system and this world economy is extremely frail and does not deserve our trust. It can be swept out from underneath us in a moment. I'll never forget, I was walking in London with my brother one day, and he was not a born-again believer. And there was a homeless man on the side of the road, and my brother took out a 50-pound note and gave it to him. I was kind of stunned and shocked. He's always been a very generous guy, my brother. And I said to him, that's a lot of money. He says, it's just paper. I've never forgotten that. He says, it's just paper. So he says over here, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And I think this message today is gonna stretch all of us and help us know and discover really and truly where our hope is. It goes on to say, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I, I found this word interesting that Paul said. He says, command. He's getting the 16-year-old up in front of the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them, listen, you're going to command the people. This is what they ought to do. Command the rich to trust in God. He says, command them to do good. How would you receive it this morning if I stood up here and said, I command you in the name of Jesus to do good, to be better? The spirit that Paul, many of you might say, hey, that's a bit harsh, Pastor Andre. Why didn't you ask nicely? But anyway, Paul being Paul... Paul being Paul didn't mess around, right? That's what the scripture says. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, not rich in stock portfolios, not rich in residential um, development investments or pension schemes. He says to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And if we do this, he says two things will be the result. Let's take a look. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Let me say this, folks, and the Bible teaches this, that our generous hearts in this life will determine what we enjoy in the next. We have a very small window to live a generous life while as born-again believers serving God. Why? Because when we get to heaven, how many of you believe you're going to heaven? Okay, well, I determined when I get to heaven, I don't want a shack next to a river. I want a mansion on a golf course. Denim, can I get an amen? amen? Denim, my mate from school is visiting with us today. He's come through. So I want a mansion on a golf course. But you know what? If I want that, what I give here is transferred into heaven. That's what he says. Look at that. It's a foundation for the age to come. With a generous heart, you can affect your eternity. So that, they will, so that they may take hold, and this is the most important line in this verse for me, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Interesting that Paul says to Timothy, command your congregation and tell them they have not really partaken of life until they've learned to be generous. Here is an interesting, here is an interesting statement by John Bunyan that reads as follows. You've not lived today unless you've done some, something for someone else who can never repay you. You've not lived today unless you've done something for someone else who can never repay you. That's, 
that statement really stretched me because it got me thinking about when was the last time I did something for someone else that couldn't repay me. And you know, something happened with me and I shared it with the staff and the management. It was about a year ago. And as we speak on the subject of generosity, I'm going to be sharing some great success stories with you. But if you'll allow me just for a moment, I'd like to open my heart to you and see how often we can also make mistakes in this area. I had an urgent appointment with, our, with my physio in Benoni, and I was running late. I was in office meetings, and so I pulled out of the church, and I drove down on Actus Road towards Benoni. I got to an intersection at the Celtics garage on the end there, and there was a homeless guy, as there are so many of them in South Africa, and he was standing there, and he was waving and trying to get my attention. Now, I knew I had no cash in my wallet because I'm married. <laughs> so... So I, I knew it's there, it's like, it's amazing, it just vanishes. I think I've got a magic wallet. You load it in there and then it's just gone. Anyway, so I've been caught like that more than once. And so I could see he was appealing for, so I said, so I said to him, no, his name is Tabung, by the way. And I said, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. And, and then he came to the window and I assumed he'd come to harass me because people don't understand what no is. And I said, I said, I'm in a hurry, I don't have any money. And I rolled the window down and he said, Pastor, I don't want anything. I just want to tell you, you're one of my favorite preachers. <laughs> Nothing else mattered in that moment. It was like a dagger that went through my heart when I looked into his eyes. I promise you, I couldn't even think while I was at the physio. All I thought was about this guy and how perhaps I had not given the time necessary and become curt with him. Needless to say, after that, I went to the ATM <laughs> and I drew a lot of money. In, in um, how can I say this? In keeping with how gu guilty I felt. <laughs> I drew, I drew that amount of money and I drove straight back to that petrol station and I parked and I waited for him and I said, come over here, come over here. And I, and I, but God needed to give me a heart check. Sometimes we need a heart check. Needless to say, not only does this guy, Tabang, attend this church, he's in group, he's still homeless and we're trusting God for a job for him and we're trusting God for a home for him. And if you know, he's in cell group He's here every Sunday. He might even be here this morning. I've got no idea. But here's this young guy that, that the church is pulled together with. It's a simple act of kindness, a random act of kindness, but we're taking care of him. And so, and so sometimes we just need a heart check. And the statement says, you've not lived today unless you've done something for someone else who can never, ever repay you. John Bunyan. Now you might ask, Pastor Andre, how, well, how big is this generosity thing in the light of Scripture? I mean, there should be several things that are far more important. Well, if we take the word believe, for example, I mean, that's a pretty important, and pretty important word. And we find that a belief, take a look at this, appears 272 times in the Bible. So we could do a pretty good series on belief. How about the word pray? On the basis of importance of how many times it's mentioned in the word, pray is mentioned 371 times. The word love, I mean, God is love, right? Nothing more important than love. The word love appears 714 times. Hazard a guess as to how many times the word give appears. Take a look at this. 2,161 times. I call giving, or the word give, is the verb of the Bible. For God so loved that he, 
You see, especially in the world that we currently live with, the word love has really been watered down to nothing. Love is purely an emotion. The Bible teaches something completely different. Love is commitment. Love is giving 2,161 times. One of these verses in fact, is found in Psalm 37 and verse 21. And take a look what it says. The wicked borrow and never repay. I'm just gonna let that hover there for a moment. If you promise to pay back someone you haven't, let that word minister to you just for a second, just for a second. Okay, we can move on. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly, the godly are marked. They marked by something. What are they marked by? The fact that they are generous givers. I'm so glad I've got a group of friends that fight to pay the bill. I'm so glad to have a group of friends that you have to actually walk into the restaurant and slip the way to your card and then tell him, when that guy gives you his credit card, don't take it, you've got mine already. Imagine living in a world like that, amen? The godly are generous givers. Look at this one in Proverbs 11 verse 25. A generous man will prosper, will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now about this time, people start thinking, oh, Pastor Andre, where are you going with this? What do you need? You're gonna raise an offering pretty soon? What do you? We don't need anything. You have been exceedingly generous throughout this pandemic, throughout this year. In actual fact, I think you guys are the top givers to the work of God in the entire continent of Africa. That's how good you've been. This is not about me wanting to get anything from you today. I promise you, hand on heart, but I want you to be refreshed. I want you to come out with a greater motivation for wanting to give to the Lord. You see, that is my motive. I don't wanna get anything to you, from you. I wanna get something, I wanna get something to you. And so today's message is really about refreshing. The next portion of scripture before I introduce the message title that I'm gonna be taking a look at this morning is found in the book of Corinthians. And this is where Paul so beautifully lays out the why behind the what. He lays out the reason for why we give. The motive for why we are generous. He also clearly explains in the scripture that generosity is not about an amount, it's about a heart it's about a heart attitude. And that's why I've titled this message this morning, A Matter of the Heart. A Matter of the Heart. And I pray that it would stretch and encourage and refresh you the same way it did as I was preparing and putting this message together. Now, Paul, before we go to Corinthians, Paul planted church, churches throughout Asia, which is now modern-day Turkey. But he had a very deep love for the mother church, which was in Jerusalem. All churches that were planted out in Turkey, in Asia, all came from the church in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem church found itself on very hard times, persecuted and in severe lack. And Paul sent out a communique to many of the churches that he had planted. And he said, listen, a time is coming when I'm going to be receiving an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And I'm giving you advanced warning because I want you to be generous. I want you to save. I want you to put stuff together. And soon enough, I will send a, a messenger out to come and to receive this offering. And, but what stands out for me is I want you to notice the verbiage 
or the language that Paul uses in this letter to the Corinthian church. And what he's doing here is really he's appealing to an inward motivation within believers. You see, you really know you've been transformed by the power of Christ when it's not about get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. It's all about wanting to be generous. You look for opportunities to bless others. And it's not about an amount, it's about a heart attitude. So notice the language that Paul uses. And with that, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm going to be going through verses 1, from verses 1 through 12. And we're going to be doing, in a moment, we're going to be doing a verse-by-verse study of this portion of Scripture, breaking it down. And I'm going to be extracting five principles or five fruits that I believe a truly generous Christian should have. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 from verses 1 through 2, sorry, 2 Corinthians. Paul says this, and now brothers, I want you to know about the grace, interesting that he uses this word for generosity and giving. He says, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. When he speaks about grace over here, this is not the grace that saves, it's not amazing grace. This word grace is actually gift. And the The implication over here is that Paul says that when you get born again, the grace that saved you stays within you and stirs you towards being generous in the context of this verse. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, the church in Corinth was possibly the wealthiest church that Paul had ever planted. And I love what he does here. You know, Paul is kind of a gung-ho kind of person. You know, he's bold, he's in your face. Sometimes he doesn't cross his T's and dots his I's. And what he's about to do over here, he's about to provoke the Corinthians. Not by using them as one of the wealthiest churches to demonstrate how much one should give, but he's using a Macedonian church. And we're gonna find out about the condition of Macedonian church in a moment. So he's provoking them. This is what he says. He has given the Macedonian churches the grace that he's given them out of the most severe trial and overflowing joy. Only God could put those two words in the same sentence. Extreme poverty and overflowing joy. This was the condition of the Macedonian churches. He says that out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich, welled up in rich generosity. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Look at this, entirely on their own. Nobody begged them, nobody showed them a nice AV of starving children in Africa. Out of their own. Generosity is a heart, it's a heart thing. Entirely of their own, look at this. They urgently pleaded with us. You know what this means? Why would they need to urgently plead to give unless somebody had said to them, listen, you guys are poor, you don't have any. Let the other guys carry the load. You sit this one out. Can you imagine going to a believer that's poor and saying, listen, you don't have much, you don't need to give. And this guy's standing up and saying, what do you mean? You see, the spirit of the Macedonian church was even though they had nothing, they wanted to give absolutely everything. Talk about God moving in and transforming someone's heart. They, it says in your notes, they pleaded with us 
for the privilege of sharing in the service of the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave, and this is the heart of it, isn't it? That's why I said, listen to the language. Paul says, but they gave themselves first. Generosity is not about just giving money. Generosity is first about giving yourself. Giving yourself to the work of God. Giving yourself to the people that Jesus died on the cross for. So giving themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace. Notice he speaks about giving as an act of grace. But just as you excel in everything, he says to the Corinthians, you're one of the best churches I've planted. You excel in all these kinds of things. So just as you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. So here he wants to add a dimension to the already great faith, things they're doing well, and say, listen, you guys need to start being generous. Excel in this internal motivation that really wants to bless everyone around you. I'm not commanding you. So now he's saying, I'm not commanding you to give. I'm not commanding you, but I want to testify, I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So he's saying, listen, I'm comparing you. Poor guys that gave everything, rich guys that don't want to give much. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now he goes on to use Jesus as an example. And I personally believe the scripture has been misused and misinterpreted many times. Many people will use the scripture to focus on the fact that Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. I think the emphasis is wrong. I think the emphasis here should be that Jesus was prepared to put everything aside. The focus here is Jesus, not us. Many people make us the focus. We can be rich. He became poor so we know that the attention should be placed on the fact that Jesus gave up everything. And that's what he's calling us to do. Now, byproduct is that you cannot outgive God. I know that, but the motive for giving is not getting. You get as a byproduct, but that's not the why, though that's not the why behind the what. So he speaks about he speaks about testing the sincerity of their love. And he says that though he was rich yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire. Again, to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work. Paul is saying, now it's time to receive that offering that I've been telling you about. So that your eager willingness to do it might be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the gift is there, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. So he's saying if the motivation is right, if our heart attitude behind why we're doing what we want to do is right, then the gift is accepted according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. 
So all of, these, all of this being said in this large portion of Scripture, how can I summarize the attitude of generosity that really should be found in the heart of every single believer? And I've extracted five things. So I think firstly, as we take a look at the Scripture, I think first and foremost, we need to give joyfully, which means we need to have fun doing it. And the scripture we're going to look at is Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, and I'm going to be throwing a lot of scriptures at you this morning. The Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed. Now that word blessed in Greek is actually makarios, which means happy. So Jesus is saying over here, the person that gives is actually the one that's more happy than anybody else. He is the one that is happy. I heard a story, and I know we've got many stories within the church that I haven't managed to document just yet, but... This is a story I heard of something that really just is so perfectly played out in this verse. A guy was at a chemist not so long ago, and he was standing behind an elderly man who was ordering medication for his wife on the phone. He put the medication down on the table, and the cashier rung it up, and he got kind of a shock because it came to thousands of rands. So he asked the cashier just to hold off a second. He went away. Now, there was a church member standing behind this person, and he was overhearing the telephone conversation. And the guy was saying on the telephone, saying to his wife, babe, listen, uh, I can't get both of these, which is more important because we can't afford both. And this church member heard this, so he shimmied up to the teller and he said, listen, how much is the medication? It came to about 3,000 rand. So he said, listen, here we go, and swiped his card and paid for it and then stepped back and he left this card. Now, Christian Family Church, the last couple of years, have really been using this as a tool to connect your giving to God not your giving to you, to connect your giving to God. And so the person that paid the bill just left this card and said, do me a favor, when he comes, just give him this card and tell him the, the account is being paid. So he came up and he said, I'll just take this. And the cashier said, no, no, don't worry. While you were talking on the phone, someone came up and just paid your bill and left this card with you. Now this card, let me, let me show you what it says. I got it enlarged. Something extra to show that God loves you. And so do we, Christian Family Church International. So what he did was just leave this card. The guy had his bill paid and all of a sudden he receives this card. Now we don't hand these out. That won't fit in your wallet. I've got a whole stack in my wallet, but we have this. And so, so the man recognized, he turned it over and he recognized the name of the church on the back. And it just so happened that he was living next door to a person that attended that church. And so he went to his neighbor and he said, listen, <laughs> what's up? Someone from your church who I don't even know who could not, I could not reciprocate this act, just came and paid my bill. Guess where that guy was in church the following Sunday? Just simply because of this. Jesus says, it is more blessed. You are the one that is happy. You see what happens is when we give a gift, don't just walk away. Leave this card because it connects your gift to God. Something a little extra to show you that God loves you. And this is a month of generosity. So I want you to, on your way out to go by our Dream Team Center and maybe go collect 10 of these cards for the month of December and determine in your heart that you're gonna do something out of the ordinary, over and above. Ridiculously tip someone who gives you good service at a restaurant and find out for yourselves that Jesus' words are true, that it is more blessed, you will be happier giving than you ever will be receiving. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. It puts it this way. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. You see, giving should always be a spiritual thing. It doesn't say given in his mind. 
Don't decide in your mind what you want to give. Decide in your heart. Give from your heart because I promise you, circumstances will cloud and prevent you from being generous. If you look at the waves, if you look at the weather, the Bible says you will never, ever, ever sow. So what is God saying to your heart to give? How generous is the Lord compelling you to be from your spirit? So each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This over here is actually so huge because if you need an AV, if you need someone to stir you up in order to get you to do what God instinctively has called you to do, then there's a bigger challenge. But when you're close to the Lord, he says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know what that word cheerful in the Greek is? Hilarious. Ever <laughs> heard hilarious joke? That's what it is about. It's about being hilarious. God wants you to give hilariously. God loves a cheerful giver, someone whose heart is in his giving. And then some people... In Proverbs 21, it says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love, love to give. That's the first one. The second one is that God has called us to give selflessly, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5, and they did not do as was expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's Will. John 3 and verse 16, he has a prime example of giving yourself first. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see, it was God's love for us that compelled him to give. It didn't just stop by loving because love is not an emotion. I wonder, have you ever taken the time to consider how the generosity of other people that gave before you that you didn't know has impacted your life. Before you came in this morning, this paved area that you drove in on is because someone gave. The air conditioning that's working for you right now, but not so much for me. You're enjoying it, why? Because someone before you gave. When you dropped off your babies at the children's ministry, there were dream teamers that gave an hour of their time, two hours of their time to be able to, you, we are enjoying this because someone gave. And I think that's what Paul is trying to get across to this church, that you are where you are because I gave. You are where you are because the church of Jerusalem sacrificed and gave. Without them, you wouldn't be where you are. And now the responsibility rests on your shoulders because people will come after you that will bear fruit and enjoy the blessing of your generosity. Imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment if Noah, who had been called by God, said, Lord, I don't do boats. I draw the line, I don't do boats. Imagine if David said, Lord, I love you, but I don't do giants, and he didn't give himself and go into battle. Imagine if Paul said, you know what, Lord, I'll preach, but I don't do letters. That's, that's not something I do. Imagine if Jesus said, I don't do crosses. If there was a limit to my generosity, imagine if I don't. Are you getting the idea? We are where we are because someone else gave. Now it's our turn to live a life of generosity. The third one is give willingly. Give willingly. 
give because you want to. You see, I get to give. I don't have to give. I get, I get to give. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. I always have this debate so often with people in my office who try and explain away their willingness to give and try and split hairs within the scriptures between law and grace, but really what they're trying to do is just justify their own unwillingness to do what the spirit inside of them is compelling them to do. So give willingly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12, it says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is accepted. You must be willing. We must be willing. You see, many things in the Old Testament were external obligations. But with Jesus as our Lord, these all things have become an internal delight. I mean, I don't steal because of, it says on a stone tablet, thou shalt not steal. I don't steal because I love people. I'm not going to take what doesn't belong to me. I'm not unfaithful to my wife because a, because a tablet says to me, you shall not commit adultery. I'm not unfaithful to her because I, because I love her. I don't need that. You see, we are, as believers, we are way beyond the got to. We're in the get to. And that's what Paul is speaking about here. So we took a look at the fact that we've got to give joyfully. Secondly, that we've got to give selflessly. Thirdly, that we've got to give willingly. Fourthly, that we give thankfully. I think for me personally, this is one of the most important of all the five points and the motives of a generous giver. We give thankfully. And this is why oftentimes we place or position our giving in a place in the time of worship, after the worship. We haven't done that today, but I will be receiving, we're receiving offering a bit later. But by and large, because giving is an act of worship, not only for us as a church, because we as a church give, you'll find out more about this next week, 12% of everything we earn gets given away to bless and to help build the kingdom of God. But we personally get to worship the Lord in our giving. And this is what it says in Psalm 116 verses 12. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me, the psalmist writes. How can I repay the Lord for all of his goodness to me? One of the ways is by being more like him and being generous with all those around you. In 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 14, the Bible says this, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from from your hand. Now, there's a verse in Exodus that I have not included in your notes, but I wish I had, which I stumbled across a while ago. And this is what the verse says in Exodus 13, verses 14 through 16. And in the future, your children will ask you. So the Lord is telling the people that, listen, your children are going to come to you during a time of sacrifice, during the time of Passover, when they had to slay the lamb. Your children are going to come to you and they're going to ask you, what does all this mean? And then you will tell them. So your kids are going to come to you and say, listen, why do you sacrifice so much? Why do you give so much? And the Bible says that what they are to do then is they are to take the cloaks off their backs and they are to show the children the scars on their backs to say, ah, we were in slavery for hundreds of years, slavery to Pharaoh, slavery to the world, in bondage. Our incomes were capped. Sometimes we didn't get an income at all. We lived in abject poverty, but then along came God and God rescued us. And this is why we do this. This is why we give. It goes on to say, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of slavery. This ceremony will be like a mark 
branded on your hand or your forehead, it is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand has rescued you and brought you out of the world. One of the reasons I give and am generous to the work of God because I know from whence I came. I know what my life was like before and it is the privilege of my life to be able to bless people around me and to bless the work of God. I've tithed on every cent I've ever earned since the age I was 12 years old. It has been my privilege and I did it not because my pastor said to me, now's the time for you to do it. I did it because everything on the inside of me cried out and said, I owe God everything, everything, everything. And then finally, give intentionally. Give intentionally. Our giving is a reflection of our gratitude. Give intentionally. Be intentional about connecting your acts of kindness. And that's why we give you this card. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 says this, you should make up your own mind how much you should give. Should give. Everyone needs to. Don't give reluctantly on response to pressure. Don't ever let, like I said earlier, on the brochures or the appeals to raise money. Don't let that be the motive. You see, God has given us a filter, really, in his word and through these scriptures on the ba for the basis of generosity. And God says this, be generous. Be generous intentionally. Sorry, be generous intentionally for eternity. And there is a promise also attached to this. And I'll close with this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You see, your giving is a reflection of your gratitude. Simply put, your giving in life, giving of yourself, giving of your finances, giving of your time, giving of your service, giving of all these things really is an, a reflection of how grateful you truly are. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.